This is the Hoosier Ag Today morning podcast. Good morning and welcome on the 12th of January, 2023. I'm Andy Eubank, the Hat Podcast brought to you by First Farmers Bank and Trust, proudly serving local farms, families, and agribusiness for over 135 years. They're online at ffbt.com. Coming up in the news today, Eric Pfeiffer on the benefits of serving your fellow Hoosier farmers. Also details of Co-Alliance's patronage payout with C.J. Miller. Chief Meteorologist Ryan Martin, plenty of moisture in his Indiana farm forecast. And we'll review higher markets yesterday along with Tom Fritz market analysis and a preview of today's USDA reports on the Hat Morning Podcast. The land of the free is also the home of the hardworking. What if this is the year you take your farm operation to the next level? At First Farmers Bank and Trust, we're proud to serve the people who not only work until the sun goes down, but until the job is done. With over 135 years of commitment to agriculture, we'll find the solution that's right for your operation today and tomorrow. Visit ffbt.com to learn more. First Farmers Bank and Trust, member FDIC. The High Ground Podcast. Everything from energy and fuel. It's a Memorial Day weekend, going to be 87 to 89, maybe low 90s all weekend. So we thought we'd bring Scott Heine in. So we'll talk about home heat. <laughs> to agriculture. Anytime we can help a farmer grow their business and meet their goals, that's a proud moment for me. And, well, other things. For some reason, like and subscribe. We don't know why, but that's important. We want you to do it on your own, but we're going to tell you. <laughs> Listen now on all platforms. An unprecedented patronage being returned to farmer owners of Co-Alliance Cooperative and an opportunity to advocate for Indiana's corn growers. I'm C.J. Miller and this is Hoosier Ag Today. One of the benefits of doing business with your local farmer-owned cooperative is having a portion of the co-op's profits made in a year paid back to you through patronage. And that's why one Indiana-based co-op is excited about their patronage announcement. This year, we had record profits, and we plan on returning $45 million in cash and equity back to our farmer owners. And that's Kevin Still, president and CEO of Co-Alliance Cooperative. He shared with Hoosier Ag today that the $45 million they plan to return to their farmer owners represents 51% of the company's profits from their 2022 fiscal year. It's an unprecedented amount for us also as we, again, we had record earnings this year really pertaining more to our agronomy division because of some margin increase there. And really anybody in the ag industry experienced great profits. But the difference is we get to return those excess profits back to our farmers. Our competitors don't do that. That's why we say we like to give our profits back to Main Street, not back to Wall Street. Still says the remaining 49% of Co-Alliance's profits are being reinvested back into the company. So, you know, out of the 86 million, if we pay back 45 million, that leaves about 40 some million to reinvest into capital projects and reinvest into our equipment and facilities. And we're going to do that this year. We have a couple of special projects where we're going to actually have some large capital projects. We'll be able to invest in those. We're going to use these profits to do that. Tim Burke of Carroll County, who serves as Co-Alliance's board chairman, says he's looking forward to receiving his patronage refund 
and he credits the company's leadership and employees for making it happen. Oh yes, it's very nice. Very glad to get it. Um, it just makes the whole process seem like it worked right. It's a teamwork all the way around. If it wasn't everybody involved with it, it wouldn't work. It, wonderful leadership, very dedicated employees that are willing to do the extra to make this work. In addition to the patronage, Co-Alliance has recently donated over half a million dollars to 4-H, FFA, and other community organizations throughout 2022. We're really committed to food security, farm safety, and farm education. I mean, that is the future of our company, so we want to continue to support that. Cool Alliance has more than 11,000 farmer owners across Indiana, Ohio, and southern Michigan. Well, farmers are wanted for an opportunity to advocate for ag-friendly policies. Eric Pfeiffer shares what could be an excellent opportunity for you. Well, it's an honor to serve on the Indiana Corn Growers Association Board and representing farmers around the state. And it's a way of me giving back to an industry that I love and am passionate about. And that's Scott Smith. He's been farming for 48 years in Tipton County and is the president of the Indiana Corn Growers Association. The ICGA board advocates for Hoosier corn farmers at the local, state, and federal levels. The board is currently seeking candidates to fill three spots in Districts 1, 4, and 7. ICGA's governing districts match Indiana's nine congressional districts. Smith says if you share his passion for the ag industry and are an ICGA member, you should consider running if you reside in one of those districts. He calls the opportunity an educational and unique experience. To know your senators one-on-one, I mean, it's just a lot to be said about that. And to see how policies work that affect us on a daily basis. So, um... It just doesn't happen by luck. It happens by work. And so people being active, involved, going to that meeting in your community, get to know people that are to help direct policies for our ag industry. He also really enjoys his trips to the Hill to advocate for Indiana farmers. If you aren't an ICGA member, Smith encourages you to do some research on the organization and consider getting involved. His experience started by simply showing up to a shop talk it was organized in his community that he was invited to. So I didn't go to Shop Talk to be on the board. I just went to Shop Talk to to meet uh, some other people, influential people. So I think it was a senator was was going to be there. State senator was going to be there at the meeting, and I thought it would be an educational experience. And I got invited to go, and I thought, you know, I want to go to that. So Smith says to consider this your invitation to an Indiana Corn Growers Association event near you. To learn more about running for one of the open seats on the ICGA board, find this story at HoosierAgToday.com. I'm Eric Pfeiffer. And I'm C.J. Miller. Hoosier Ag Today, Indiana's most listened-to farm radio network. I'm Chief Meteorologist Ryan Martin with Hoosier Ag Today's Indiana Farm Forecast. You're going to want to keep that umbrella handy here for today. Rain overspreading of the state. It's going to be a significant round of moisture. Quarter to one and a half inch rainfall totals with coverage at 90% of the state. The big question is, does rain end as snow anywhere? I think you have to look at northeast Indiana, maybe a little bit of northern Indiana, seeing rain end as snow. Accumulations I'm not concerned about right now. Grassy and insulated surfaces might see a coating to uh, dusting maybe an inch in spots, but it looks like really the snow potential is farther east and north. We don't clear out right away, even though the precipitation is done by uh, shortly after midnight tonight. We're going to still see clouds around and Winds are coming straight down the fetch of Lake Michigan. I don't think this is going to be a big lake effect snow event. I think it's going to be a big lake effect cloud event. 
So clouds and sunshine mixing back and forth, but I won't rule out some on-again, off-again flurries, particularly in those normalized lake areas, lake effect areas near Lake Michigan through the day tomorrow. Now, by Saturday, all of that threat is gone. High pressure is here, but it's a cold high-pressure dome. We're chilly for Saturday, warming significantly on Sunday. That warming comes with another rain system. So rain Monday, Tuesday, anywhere from a quarter to three-quarters of an inch there. Another round coming Wednesday afternoon, Thursday, and early Friday. That one has significant moisture, quarter to three-quarters of an inch, but potential for the rain to end as snow again. So it's a mess next week. Very sloppy, very muddy conditions will be likely seen by the end of the week. And then cold air tries to settle in for the following weekend, the weekend of the 21st and 22nd. That's the way your forecast is stacking up. I'm meteorologist Ryan Martin. Markets go higher. This is Hoosier Ag Today and the Wednesday Farm Market Review. I'm Andy Eubank. The review is brought to you by Seed Genetics Direct. Big enough to get the top corn and soybean genetics you want and small enough to care about you. Learn more at SeedGeneticsDirect.com. At the close of Wednesday trade, I checked in with Tom Fritz of EFG Group in Chicago to find out why we had a bit of a bump in the corn, soybean, and wheat markets. Oh, Andy, I think it's just pre-positioning for tomorrow's numbers. We are also dealing with you know the push-pull coming out of uh, South America. Brazil has a tremendous-looking crop. Argentina's on wobbly ground, if you will. You know, looking at it individually, corn market. Yeah, we finish what a penny higher in the March, half cent higher in the July, unchanged in the Dees. This is all about uh, positioning for tomorrow's report. Most people are with the frame of mind. We're going to see a higher projected carryout due to a cut in exports. Now, the cut in exports. Well, our export pace is slow. We already know that. We're nine million tons behind the five-year average. I don't want to compare it to last year because last year was an abnormal year, so we use a five-year average. We're 9 million tons behind. Now, will the USDA acknowledge that, or will they hold out just in case the Argentine growing season, excuse my language, goes to hell in a handbasket? Right now, they've got a dry bias, not totally devoid of moisture. In fact, today they saw some moisture, but the dry, warm and dry bias continues. The Argentine climate people made a statement yesterday. They think the La Nina will exit the country come late March. If that's the case, and we continue to see hot and dry conditions between now and March, their crop is going to be fractured. So will the USDA hold out on uh, you know major cuts in export due to the potential issue with Argentina. The wheat market, everybody's favorite dumping ground, except today it managed to hold the rally. I think this is just short covering in front of the USDA numbers tomorrow. Uh, Quarterly stocks, yeah, quarterly stocks are going to be down from a year ago. But the big deal is the U.S. has no exports, and that's been the major drag on the market. Black Sea origination, European origination for wheat, much cheaper than the U.S. origination. So we come up short on exports. Now, the wild cards for 
tomorrow's supply demand, I don't think it will involve U.S. data. I think it's going to be world data. World data, Russia. Russia says they have 100 million ton plus crop. USDA only says 91 million tons. I talked to the USDA last month about this, and they said, well, the tools that we have do not support that bigger crop size. Well, Russia's a pretty big, or I should say aggressive, seller of wheat. So it would suggest they do have that crop size. So will the USDA make that adjustment? And if they do, the majority of that shift between 91 million tons and 100 million tons is going to go to the carryout. Australia, USDA had them down for 36.6 million tons of wheat produced on the last report. Bear, the uh, Australian version of our USDA, says, no, the crop size is closer to 42 million tons. Australia said, well, we can only ship X amount of wheat, and so this extra wheat that we're finding, it will be spillover into the next marketing year. Well, if that's the case, it's going to go to the bottom line for this current marketing year. So bottom line is there's the possibility that world-ending stocks for wheat, projected-ending stocks, could grow, let's say, noticeably. But today was just short covering ahead of those numbers. Soybeans, we've got an excellent soybean meal program. Uh, soybean meal is within $5 of contract highs. It's tried to sell off the last few days. It keeps coming back. Argentina. Argentina is the world's largest soybean meal exporter. Well, what happens if they have a short crop? That means the U.S. market for soybean meal will continue. Of course, we'll get cut into from Brazil. Brazil is on the edge of harvesting. Uh, so the push-pull in soybeans will continue. As far as the what the USDA has to say about soybeans, now the trade thinks, you know, our carryout could go up a little bit. I don't see it coming down uh, much. You know, we have a fair export program. We have a fair crush program. Uh, you look at crush margins, they're excellent. Uh, I wish I owned more uh, uh, stock in the companies that crush soybeans for a living. So, but uh, the bottom line is soybeans, we'll, we'll trade whatever the USDA has to say tomorrow. Uh, for the first five minutes. And then we're going to go back and say, okay, how big is the Brazilian soybean crop? How fast are they going to be able to get it to market versus what happens if Argentina has a major shortfall? So once again, I go back to push-pull for soybeans will continue. Tom Fritz, EFG Group in Chicago. On the hat, Wednesday farm market review, settlements from Wednesday trade, up just a penny on the March corn contract, 656. May goes to 655 and a quarter, up three quarters and a half cent better on July, 648 and a half. March beans, eight cents higher, 1493. May, 1496 and a half, up seven and a quarter. And July goes six and a quarter better, up to 1497 and three quarters. 
March wheat, 740. That was up nine cents. Over in the meats, down with the exception of second day in a row. Feb live cattle unchanged, 157.75. April down 32 cents. February lean hogs, a half dollar down, 79.30. I'm Andy Eubank with the Wednesday market review. This is Who's Your Ag Today, Indiana's leading farm radio network.